0: Hello and welcome to episode 186 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined once again by Ryan Top and a special guest because Paul is once again perpetually moving. We've got uh, his uh, reporting as eligible cohort and Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, trending sports reporter JR Radcliffe. JR, how you doing? Probably a slow I'm doing week good. You, Huh? Yeah?
1: Uh, oh, it's it's been so <laughs> slow. We've had nothing going on. It's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Uh, fun times at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I, of course, don't have to deal with the most of it, but, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was a little bit of a Thursday, man. That was a Thursday night, wasn't it?
0: I, I lost track of time, so yeah. What was it Thursday? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah.
1: That's the <laughs> draft. The Bucs losing to Houston. The Brewers in the first game of that series. So uh, yeah, there was there was a lot going on, and most of it was bad because no matter where you turned, you were like, wait, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be a Packer anymore.
2: And then right. Giannis got hurt, and that was just the uh, topper on the crap Sunday.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, and Corbin Burns, you find out, isn't going to be pitching anymore, so that's that's great, at least in the short term. Uh, not a good time, although Giannis comes back on Sunday, so at least that's a short-term glitch.
2: He dropped 49? Did I see that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, apparently <laughs> the ankle's okay.
0: Could have had 50, but uh last few minutes of the fourth quarter were a little rough for him, but that that's fine. They pulled out the win. So also
1: swatted Kevin Durant in a way that very few mortal human beings can do. Yes. So
0: it was, well, it, was a good, it was a good mortal.
1: show.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good to have you here, JR. Uh, But before we get going, a reminder that you can help support the podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the pod. And for five bucks, you get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. You also get some reporting as eligible mini pods from Paul through the Packers offseason. Uh, and I'm sure you guys, the next time you meet up for the the big pod, the the, the, the macro pod, I guess, as Paul called it last <laughs> week, you're going to have a lot to talk about. So I guess uh, we'll look for that one coming up in, in the near future. But I guess in the meantime, the Brewers luckily provided some good feelings for, for Wisconsin fans the last uh, few days here. You know, th- we got off to a little bit of a rocky start. They dropped two or three to the Marlins, uh, but they won the first three of the games against their series against the Dodgers. Sunday, of course, ended up being a little bit of an ugly debut for Alec Bettinger, Uh, but it was ultimately kind of a gravy game at that point because the Brewers already won three games in that series, and, you know, he was making a spot start in place of Corbin Burns. So I guess, JR, we'll start with you because you're the guest of honor here. What are your impressions of the Brewers over the last week? Uh, What do you make of the ups and the downs with the Marlins series (laughs) and then the highs of the Dodgers series?
1: I would like to tell you that I think there is uh, – that this is like all – All part of the plan. I think they're just, they've just gotten really lucky. I mean, they've just gotten some crazy, you know, clutch moments from guys that you're not counting on right now. Even in Sunday, where they get bombed, the catcher that they just reacquired because they have such a gaping need at catcher (laughs) after two guys get hurt uh, hits two home runs. Jacob Nottingham hits two home runs. So even even there, they're getting crazy breaks. Uh, I mean, obviously, the injury thing. Is concerning. It's probably not going to last forever, and and you know, for as much as we could say, sixteen guys on the injured list with Yelich and Narvaez, those are and Burns now on the COVID list, those are big ones. But you know, they can weather the rest of them because they've built around depth. So I guess that's been part of the plan, the depth part. They they probably didn't expect to to play literally everyone on the forty man roster in in the month of April and early May, (laughs) but they definitely planned that that was going to be more of a marathon than a sprint, and that is. Fortunately for them coming to Roost. I, I I just feel like there's a reckoning coming offensively if guys don't get healthy. On the other side of the coin, though, this is all baked in and guys are gonna get healthy, right? Like Christian Yelch and Lorenzo Kane hopefully will be back this week. And you know, you don't know how long Narvaez is out, but but Pina probably will be back. The pitchers will be back. So um, so you know, maybe maybe they don't have to atone for for the very good fortune they've had, at least on offense. And the other takeaway is that pitching wins the day, and that's what the Brewers built themselves on, and that's proven to be true.
2: Yeah. As Paul likes to say, you don't have to give these wins back, even if you are playing a little bit over your head. So if you can get better and get the guys healthy that are worse right now, you can you can potentially overcome the fact that you were playing so far above your head, which I think is inarguable. They are over their heads right now, but you'd rather have them do that than let it all fall apart at this point and be in a a big hole so happy to be where you're at i I don't think anybody could complain based on what's happened that they are not living up to some sort of expectation at this point because everybody's been hurt on the offensive side of the ball and the pitching has been great so you just go forward and hopefully uh guys get healthy and then the underlying numbers should start to turn around you would think right you would
0: think, but part of me is also hoping that they end the year with a negative run differential again and in a winning record because that's just Milwaukee Brewers baseball, baby. Uh, I, I believe they're back under uh, in the negatives after Sunday, aren't they? I thought they came in like plus 11 or something. I could be wrong. Uh, we clearly don't do any research here, JR. So just so you know.
1: That's fine. The, that's the, I mean today's Sunday's game is the game where run differentials it becomes weak as a as a metric, of course, because they course. they left poor Alec Bettinger out to uh, to dry there. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's not great offense. Even no matter what, not I mean, you got to get that offense back. I just they got to get Yelich back, man. They got to get back. And you know, isn't it still kind of lingering in the back of your minds, at least like it is in mine? It, we haven't seen Yelich really back at full strength since before his injury in 2019 and and not that that's the necessary inflection point here but the fact that he he was hitting the ball fortunately at the early part of the season but he wasn't hitting it for power like there's still a little bit of uncertainty there and that's I guess that's still the thing in the back of my mind that is the biggest concern when he comes back now he has lost whatever rhythm he had I have full full confidence a guy like that can get the rhythm back but you know I I don't It's still a wait and see 2020 is still fresh in our minds. And, and after one month, we still don't know if the MVP level Christian Yelich is, is going to be back with us. So that's that's probably the biggest concern simmering in the background.
2: Yeah. I mean, he was at least hitting somewhat when he went down. It's just the power hadn't shown back up yet. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. We just have to hope that that power does come back. And it it's a weird thing with him and the power because it wasn't really a huge part of his game before Milwaukee, and then right. three months in, in 2018, all of a sudden, he became the best power hitter we'd seen since, like, Barry Bonds for a couple months there, and then he carried it back over into 2019, so I'm not super concerned. The, the big thing was, hopefully, he wasn't going to be swinging and missing as much, and he had 12 strikeouts and 37 plate appearances this is not great, but it's also not, it's not a catastrophic problem for him so we'll see because that definitely did look better in spring training this year than it had before that so that's that's a big thing to keep an eye on when he comes back uh between the power and the the swinging and missing
0: right i think jr's got a good point though we got to be kind of careful on just assuming things will turn around once everybody's back right because you don't know exactly what you're going to get from yelich even like we talked about considering the last couple of years you know, you know the strikeout and the power were, were a little concerning and you know i'm guessing back ailments are not great for a guy's power production either so uh you know maybe that factored into the the lack of power early in the year or maybe it's just something he'll he needed to rest i don't know we'll see but you know the hope was he would play this weekend he's still on the injured list you know so maybe it, it it's just like a week by week thing but I guess in the meantime, the, the injury concerns are continuing and just kind of getting comical at this point. You know, we had mentioned their had to face the Dodgers because Corbin Burns went on the injured list with the undisclosed ailment that everyone knows is COVID-related. So <laughs> we don't know how long he's going to be away from the team. Or, you know, you guys mentioned Omar Narva- Narvaez got hurt over the weekend. Yelich and Kane still aren't back. So I guess, Ryan, are you worried that this is going to keep continuing. I know we had said like at some point you run out of guys to get injured and you think the injury luck kind of bounces back. But I guess, is there a deeper concern for you here?
2: Of course there always is it's baseball and things can go wrong in ways that you just don't expect. So there's, there's always a level of that. But I think that given what we've seen with this team so far, I think Obviously, the starting pitching is a little bit over their heads. But if you look at somebody like Burns, have you guys seen his FIP? <laughs> he has a .50 FIP, which I guess is what happens when you strike everybody out and walk no one. Right. So he is at once both over his head and not over his head. And I think that you could kind of say some of the same about Woodruff, who is also just very, very good. He's a good pitcher pitching well. And you don't necessarily expect that to continue the whole season, but all of it is going to hinge on where they can get the offense in the next five months. I mean, that's really where things are going to hinge here, Uh, as long as the pitching stays relatively healthy. And I know that's always a huge (laughs) if with pitching like that's that is the curse. But if the if the hitting can get going, I think they're going to be okay, and they're going to be. The favorites to win this division and i think they have enough guys with track records that we shouldn't be necessarily planning on them not getting back to hitting though we we do need to talk about keston here i know that's coming up later in a question so Mm -hmm. we'll hold Mm -hmm. that for right now but i think that there's there's a very strong possibility probability that they're going to uh get the offense back on track once people are back and get back into the swing of things it probably won't happen immediately but once they get back into the swing of things i think we'll see a pretty substantial improvement offensively from where they've been
0: sure sure all right well that leads us to our first patreon question dealing with the injuries it comes from james vandenberg he's asking is there anything besides luck behind the sudden rash of injuries it could be easy to blame the training staff but a few of them namely, you know, Corbin with the the COVID issue, Daniel Robertson getting hit in the freaking head with a baseball, causing a concussion. Can't really do much about that. They just seem like random occurrences. So I guess JR is, is there anything I guess are you kind of looking at the training staff here or, or <laughs> what's your thought on this? uh
1: the old let's blame the training staff. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, I I'm not medically uh, versed enough to know if that's something we could we could even do. I, I'm not worried about that. I, I also think you know, some of it, some of it is a nod to their depth, and and you wonder how, like for example, would Jace Peterson have gone on the DL or injured list if this were a pennant race and he were one of the top players on the team? Same for Josh Lindblom after he had just thrown a bunch True. of pitches and they were looking for some pitching depth. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not going as far as to say they're manipulating it, but it's probably a little bit of an easier call when you you do have the depth and you are built to weather that sort of thing. I do think that's probably true in, in, in a few cases where they just that that was just the logical thing. You know, like Dylan File, of course, getting promoted on Sunday it was almost a paperwork maneuver to get to get a 40-man spot <laughs> open and put him on the 60 band DL. So, you know, that that really can't be taken into consideration. Eric Yardley, similar situation. I, I mean, uh, that's part of it. And and then also, you know, we were told at the beginning of the year this could be a big injury season because 2020 Mm -hmm. was so short. People were so out of routine trying to get back into routine. Even now it's not completely what it was before. So I imagine, you know, there, there's some guys that came into the season cold and you got to think early and late in the season is when that stuff would show up late in the season. when it's just wear and tear and early because, you know, you, you get the hamstrings, you get the obliques that you may not have gotten on a more regular training table. You know, again, who knows really, but, Uh, this is, this might just be that this might be the type of thing that happens when you're, you know, you've been on such a bizarre schedule for, for well over a calendar year. This might be that, that type of thing, you know, you worry that that's going to hit the pitching eventually, like the real, you know, the, the, the big, the big guns in both the, the rotation and the bullpen, that would be the biggest concern for any team, you know, and, and certainly with the Brewers hinging everything on that, that would be the bigger concern. Fortunately, so far, they've been at least manageably unscathed in that department.
2: Yeah. So to your point, there are definitely guys on the phantom IL right now. Mm -hmm. And that was something Kevin Goldstein talked about in one of his recent podcasts. They were actually joking because players call it that they call it the phantom. It's going on the phantom when you just have to take one for the team and go on the IL with something not necessarily completely made up, but something that wouldn't necessarily really cause you. you you there's no need for you to not play
1: the old adage that everybody is hurt in some way if mm-hmm. you ask them, you know. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Especially baseball, yeah. So, there's that and I know I don't want to say any names definitively, but you know that there are there are guys that are in that situation. Also, there's just been some things like with Colton Wong. He said if we were in the the stretch run or if this was the postseason, I wouldn't have gone on the IL. But mm. I did because I wanted to be careful. And it's early in the season and I've had this issue before on the other side when he had the strained oblique and he said, okay, I I know what this feels like. I don't want to do anything to aggravate it. So we're going to cool it down, take the time to make sure it's right and not have this turn into something worse. And I think that there's at least some degree of some of that going on here with other guys where they're being, everybody's being very cautious. And that's what you want going into the season, especially when you're, banking wins like this right now there really isn't a rush to get Mm -hmm. some of these guys back you don't need to push them harder than than their body is really you know comfortable going because you're doing fine at the moment you're banking wins so there's there's no pressure on them to come back and potentially rush a situation which is great that's what you want
0: yeah, they came into Sunday with the best record in the National League. So, you know, despite everything, they were
2: doing okay there. With and three
1: wins apiece against the Padres and Dodgers. I just love that. That sounds so nice.
2: Yeah, right. That's the Brewers are six and one against the Padres and Dodgers, and they are two and four against the Marlins and Pirates. Just like <laughs> just you just draw you it, it up, it. right?
1: Yep. Oh baseball's so dumb. What a stupid sport. Absolutely. That's stupid but sport.
2: As you point out, that's baseball. That's this is just how baseball works. This is nothing abnormal. I, I've been waiting to start hearing the the complaints about this, by the way, but people are like, they can't beat the good team or they can beat the good teams, but they can't beat the bad teams. It's just like it's so random. Play down to their competition. Yes. Yes. The <laughs> the narratives start to be drawn, the yes, all that. And no, it's right. just baseball. It's just it, stupid shit happens in baseball like this.
0: And for everything, the Brewers are still kind of really probably one of the more consistent teams in baseball right now. They just keep banking these series wins, you know, really those Pirates and Marlins series, probably the worst series that they played all year. And everybody else, they've really, really impressed. So uh, there's that. And I think going back to the injury thing, right. And your point, you know, even guys like Yelich and Kane, probably not on the injured list if this is September. right? Right. So the fact that it's early Lorenzo's old and gets banged up anyway you know like probably just giving him the early rest too helps that you've got jackie bradley jr in there you've got avi garcia you've got tyrone taylor still playing relatively well so you know why push anything at the moment so exactly uh yeah Uh, another injury related question this one's actually kind of fun comes from Aslatam. uh he's asking who would win a game between each other in this scenario the best starting nine from the brewers roster on the injured list versus the current best starting nine so who's the better team the injured list brewers or the actual brewers uh so you know i he wrote this before narvaez went on so i I guess we can throw him in, in that mix too. But Jr, what, what's your take? What's what's the better starting lineup right now?
1: <laughs> I think Narvaez is the tipping point. I think that's a tough loss. That one really, mm-hmm. that one hit me pretty good because obviously Yelich is is the biggest guy on the IL, but they've they've been able to weather that for a little while, and out, they have outfield depth. And you know, Kane being out also hurts that situation. But losing a catcher who's raking is something that very few teams can account for. So that's a really, that's a really tough loss. And obviously he's, he's having a great bounce back here and it's awesome. An awesome story. And, but, but I mean like the way he was swinging, you were just guaranteed to get like one or two hits a game. And, and again, like to, to get that from a spot on the defensive spectrum where you don't often get offense, that's super nice. So with him on the injury team, on the all injured team, I think, I think I like that. I like the Kane, Narvaez, Yelich sort of central heart of the order there. The pitching is going to be tough, you know. Right I, outside of Burns, the Brewers' best pitchers are all uh, are all available. But uh, Burns versus Woodruff would be would be pretty mm. smoking. I love it. Uh, I don't know who closes it down for you in the bullpen on team injury. That's uh, I, I definitely would prefer to have the uh, Eisen Williams hater corridor versus the uh, Justin Topa. Um, Bobby Wall, Eric, Eric yeah. Yardley, Bobby Wall situation. Yeah. <laughs> so I I I am gonna double back. I think I think Team Healthy ends up pulling this out in the late innings because of the bullpen situation. Uh, but uh, but Team Team injuries got some got some dudes.
2: Yeah, I mean, and they have Corbin to start things for them. So mm-hmm. they're in they're in great shape that way. I it is so messed up, especially because you brought up the catcher situation with. Narvaez being on the aisle, but Manny Pena is off to a pretty good start himself, and he broke his toe, and they're thinking it's going to be a fairly short stay on the IL. but we also are down him, and it, we saw Jacob Nottingham come out and, and do well today, so you, fingers crossed that can continue, but you just wonder how much depth a team can expect to, to have at a position like catcher when you lose two guys like that and not have it really crumble the team. Thank God Seattle was willing to trade Nottingham back to us in one of the weirder <laughs> transaction sequences I've ever seen following That's baseball. That's really bizarre.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, just watch Jacob Nottingham become, like, some stud down the line, and a few years from now, we'll tell the story of how the Brewers lost him for two days, and then they got him <laughs> back for nothing, right? Uh But, man, I can't wait for you... Speaking of the catching situation, Ryan, I can't wait for you and James to break down Mario Feliciano's uh, MLB debut and in, in his uh, uh, you know first at bat because <laughs> that was a big one too. Uh, a long stay there for sure, uh, not really, but you know drew drew an important walk that got the Brewers back in in, in the comeback there.
1: The three one pitch where he swung in that spot, it would have been so typical, I think, for a guy who is brand new to, to just let that one go by. Like, let's just see, you know, maybe it's ball four driving run that way. Uh, but he was, he was ready to contribute with the with the bat, with a big swing. That's really promising for a guy who's just, you know, super young to come up in that spot in the, you know, in the extra innings and to, uh, to take a big hack that tells me, okay, he's not, he's not afraid to do some stuff I, that really impressed me actually. And then he drew the walk anyway, which is even better.
2: Yep, he's a confident guy and was really raking at the alternate site last summer. Uh, people were talking about just how much he really seemed to have developed some uh some extra pop and was hitting it gap to gap really well. So and hit some absolute monster bombs uh that video circulated of. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for him, but like you said, he is young, and catchers take a long time. It's going to be a really interesting thing for him to see how much it ends up mattering that robo-umps are probably coming, because my understanding is he's not a very comfortable pitch framer yet, and so he needs work on the receiving side of things, and if we get robo-umps sooner rather than later, that just isn't going to matter. And it's going to be a, a whole, like, recalculation of the, the value of catchers because framing is such a big part of it now where catchers can be – you could be terrible offensively and still be an above-average catcher just by being a good framer. Or you could be great offensively and be a huge negative to your team if you're a terrible framer. So – or really, nowadays, guys just get moved if they're if they're that bad at framing, because you just can't have somebody who's completely incompetent back there anymore. It just doesn't work.
0: Right. Well, speaking of completely incompetent, uh, Keston here is still struggling. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> oh, sorry, no. Keston. Uh, so that leads us to our next uh, Patreon question from Jay Google. He's asking, uh, what do you make of Hira sitting for the Dodger series? So he sent this on Saturday. So Keston did play on Sunday uh cut through a couple more uh middle middle fastballs so uh (laughs) still not great going there but savage james
1: you're savage yeah
0: i i'm sad because i really like keston i want him to turn it around but man he just looks broken right now uh so we can dive into that a little bit more uh in a bit but i guess first ryan your take on jay's question uh just here mostly just getting more days off now
2: yeah, it's trending in a negative direction and I think what we saw this weekend with them sitting him is perhaps a precursor to him going down to AAA once the season starts on I think it's Tuesday. Yep, it's this week. Yeah, it's so going to bring that up. Yeah. Yep, May 4th. Yeah, do you guys think that now that the
0: there's going to be minor league games playing is that a more realistic possibility now that they just send him down to fix things there? I know we had talked about a long leash for him, a the past couple of weeks but things haven't gotten better and the minor league season's starting so i guess ryan do you think that's a realistic possibility here
2: yeah i i do i think it is a realistic possibility at this point just he seems to have gotten into his own head today when he hit into that double play when the the pitcher who was on the mound that lefty just couldn't get anybody out and he just weekly rolls one over, and he looked really frustrated when they cut to him turning back to, to the dugout. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just needs a mental reset and something else, but it, it does go deeper than that. I don't know. Did you guys see the thing from Jack Stern floating around on uh, Twitter today? I know
0: he compared uh, him to... Uh... Peak broke and Travis Shaw and the the comp were, the the comp was not favorable.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so he had uh and again this is Jack Stern, baseball 7310 on Twitter. Keston has a whiff rate of 40% on pitches that are directly middle middle, and a 42% whiff rate on pitches marked as the heart of the plate by Statcast. The league-wide riff, uh whiff rate on those pitches is about 15%. Yikes. Yeah, that's That's really, really bad because that's he needs to do damage on exactly those pitches. That's what he's looking for. And when he's swinging and missing, not even making contact on meatballs that he should be, you know, doing his damage on. Yeah, it's it's just a massive problem and they're going to have to figure something out. I was discussing this with actually with Jay Google in a, a direct message earlier today and it was like, I I don't know, like, is this a matter of like a swing tweak that needs to happen? I'm not a a swing expert enough to know, but something is not right with him because this isn't just a matter of, you know, selectivity or whatever. He's not, you know, swinging and missing at stuff outside the zone. He's swinging and missing at stuff that he should be killing. And that's really a problem, obviously.
1: this at bat. What was it I was on? saturday night where he comes up in extras he lets a fat pitch over the middle uh was pitching for the dodgers in his dodgers debut he was not effective left-hander uh he was throwing a lot of meatballs over the plate and missing and when he wasn't missing the zone entirely he got squeezed a little by our good friend angel hernandez but uh (laughs) let it go by then he flailed at a pitch that was outside and then he swung right through a pitch down the middle again and that was in crunch time and that's become emblematic of what we're seeing from him so I, i agree with you ryan i think it's I think it's practically, you know, completely foretold here that he's going to go down to the minor leagues when they open up. You know, we also have to consider that he he doesn't have a lot of experience at first base. He is not good defensively, and that's going to be part of his story, I think, for the probably the duration of his career. But you know, he still could stand to get more reps at first base, and him not getting them in the Dodgers series. It tells me that the Brewers are just at a point where they they don't feel like they can afford that right now. They can't afford him to be in the lineup trying to fix whatever's wrong with him, or uh, or in the field. They're not sending him to the alternate site because that would be embarrassing. What's he got to? What is he going to do with the alternate site, especially with right. so few major league talents there right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's not going to benefit him, and it's, it's all, it only is going to serve to embarrass the guy. So they did the next best thing. They they hit him essentially a little bit. They're going to send him down, Yelch and Kane are due back, right? So I mm-hmm. think it's going to be a pretty simple roster maneuver there where Hira goes to Nashville and they got to fi- they got to figure something out. And this is starting to get national attention. Hira's decline through 2020 and into 2021. I've heard a couple guys talk about how his just change his swing, that he seems to be trying to hit for more power, has completely robbed him of whatever contact he was able, able to get. To me, that doesn't particularly explain the heart of the plate issues that he's had, the pitches on a tee and hit it sort of thing. And when he makes contact, I mean, you you alluded to it, that double play. It's weak contact. It's a lot of slow rollers, a lot of slow foul balls that, you know, trickle foul up the third baseline. Like he he's hit a couple balls hard, but you can count him on one hand. So uh, it's just not – it's not happening for him right now. He's You know, unfortunately what he's doing is not major league caliber. It's kind of ironic that – Travis Shaw, you know, 2019, remember everybody was clamoring for the team to cut ties with Shaw so that <laughs> Keston Hero could come up, you know? Right. He was the hot shot prospect in 2019 and you know ultimately that that turned out to be the okay move, but then Travis Shaw sort of re- rediscovered some things. Shaw was at a later point in his career. I really don't I I, I it's not give up territory on Keston Hero. Of course not, but uh but yeah, I mean, he's he's going to go to the minors. It's almost it's almost a given at this point. I'd be stunned if he doesn't.
2: Yeah, he uh that was his fourth double play grounded into of the year and he had seven all of last year, six in in 2019 and it's kind of remarkable to see that many double plays hit into considering how much he strikes out. You know, when you're striking out, <laughs> he's striking out in like 40% of his plate appearances. So It's not that many opportunities, even to (laughs) ground into a double play, and he's still managing. How many chances
1: are left with a guy on first base to uh, to put the ball in play like that? That's tough.
2: Yeah, it it is really rough. And I still think long term that he's going to figure stuff out. He has shown an ability to hit at all levels. I mean, we saw him hit the crap out of the ball in 2019. There. There's something. There are adjustments that could be made to get him back there. The question is, what is that going to look like? How long is it going to take? And what's the, yeah, you know, what ultimately needs to be fixed? Uh, I will say, I did trade for him in my long-running dynasty league this week, so oh. I, I bought low on him. So, uh, and and this is the same league that I did this with Corbin Burns going into last year. So, you can okay. all thank me when That's he turns track it around. There. Yes. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. he's
1: One of my keepers along with Joe Adele. So I'm just not loving it right now.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, Yeah. It's just really disappointing to see because those pitches down the middle are your slump busters, right? Like that's what you need to, you you need, you need the mistakes by the pitchers to kind of gift you that sometimes to get you going. And he just cannot track it for whatever reason. And It's just really tough to see. And, you know, maybe there's something beyond the field going on here. You know, his his mom was diagnosed with cancer in February. It seems to be affecting him on that level, too. It's so I feel bad kind of harping on him a little bit. But, you know, you don't know how these things affect these guys. It's just he's not the same player he was in in 2019. Um, And it's pretty plain to see. But, yeah, it would not surprise me at all once the team gets into Philadelphia and they decide they want to activate Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, that that's like you guys said, one of the easy roster moves to make. So we'll see what happens there. Um, On a sunnier side of things, Jay has a second part to his question. He's asking who's the MVP a month into the season or unsung hero for the Brewers. JR, who's your pick for April MVP?
1: I I mean, I want to go with Corbin Burns because his numbers are so eye popping it's not his fault that the Brewers lost three of his starts, which I find baffling. So, uh, right. uh I, I mean, I'd still go with him. You know, anytime your pitcher throws his 49 strikeouts and zero walks, like I don't know how you uh, how you discount that, even if it doesn't directly lead to wins every night out. So uh that dude shoves. And I think for me the big thing about him is I, I like a lot of people with a lot of 2020 results, I wasn't convinced because I didn't know what to make of 2020. And I, I just didn't feel like anything – you know, with Devin Williams and and any of the guys who struggled on the other side, I, I didn't know if any of that was going to be real. Uh, so for him to show immediately, like, oh, it's it's really quite real. That's that's pretty special. And uh, to to have that, you know, to have that hammer, those two hammers at the top, that's something most teams, very few teams, can compete with. Unsung hero, it depends on on you know the the certainly JP Fireizen would be in that classification, but I don't know if he's unsung anymore. He's uh, he's gotten the attention he's deserved here by. Coming out with all these scoreless outings in a row. He has really only had one outing that I think you could say he got, you know, he got hit a little bit or he they, they got to him a little bit. I think he had some control stuff, but that's it, man. I mean, he's been awesome. And as Devin Williams has worked his way back a little, you know, he's he obviously came out slow in April. And so now you have still somebody at Williams level to set up hater. That's that's pretty great. You know, River Falls kid, Wisconsin kid. I love that story. I love that stuff. And uh, and he's he's obviously been been elite. And the Brewers, the Brewers are cycling through relievers, even though their, their bullpen has been one of the more subtle areas of the team. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that they're going to get to take a look at. And uh, I think it could be a pretty, pretty devastating bullpen by the end of the year. I mean, it, it should be anyway, but there's going to be some, you know, they're going to figure a couple more guys that we're not thinking of are going to become big time contributors. And, and then they've already got three to work with. So this is pretty good stuff.
2: Yeah. So I'll start with Unsung Hero here, and I'm going to go with Brent Suter because I think we kind of take him for granted at this point. And when you look at what he's done this year, he's pitched 11 games and he has 15 and two thirds innings. He is a huge, huge part of why Craig council can turn to that bullpen early and not worry about being able to get to the end of the game because he can go and get multiple innings from Brett Suter. And then like two days later, do it again. And, he like that workload that he is he's pushing i don't know if he can sustain that for a whole season but he has really carried a lot of weight for this team and you know by the way while he's been doing that it's a 2.87 era and a you know 3.5 strikeout to walk ratio he's pitching really pretty well and doing it in really bulk numbers so hopefully he's able to to keep that up for the season because that has really been key to where they've, they've been so far. I think I'm going to go with, for an MVP, just because it's been so critical to the team uh, offensively, uh, Omar Narvaez has been really, really important. He's been one of the few guys who's actually hit and hit all the way through until he got hurt. But he didn't do that till May, so we can, we can count this for April for him. <laughs> so Because the question was, MVP of April, right? Yes. Or so far?
0: Uh, so far, but I'll, I'll I'll cut it off at April because I'm pretty sure Jay sent this on on Saturday. So,
2: but yeah, you're getting a three sixty eight four forty three five twenty nine line from your catcher, who's by the way a good defensive catcher now, which we've talked about Still extensively bizarre. on here. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so strange,
0: but Charlie Green's a freaking wizard, man. Yeah, yeah, that
2: man is. Yeah, do not let him go. Pay that man his money. <laughs>
0: Unless we get Robo Umps, then maybe that's less valuable. But in the meantime, he he's been great. Yeah, um, I'm with Jr. But I'm just I'm just a huge Corbin Mark. So yeah, it's it, it's hard to argue with anybody other than Corbin there. Um, just even the value added by having that second ace in the rotation, I think, is a huge part of the Brewers' 16 and 10 start in April. It, it's hard to argue too much with that. I think
2: is Brandon Woodruff getting taken for granted a little bit now. Because he's just
0: now I think he is. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Man, he's got like four walks. What a bum. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but yeah, it it is funny that I mean, uh, Burns has rightfully gotten a lot of a lot of the press Jr. uh, Mm -hmm. But maybe maybe you can write something on Brandon Woodruff being the unsung hero of
1: April. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know being
0: underlooked. Yeah.
1: Is he boring? I don't feel like he is necessarily. Corbin's got a little, I guess, extra swag with the long hair and the, yeah. the pitches that, that just move. You know, he's he's a little bit of a pitching ninja, darling. So that helps. Yeah. Uh, and Brandon Woodruff is is just a good old regular, you know, old-fashioned stud who uh who isn't gonna charge the mound when you throw behind him. Maybe uh maybe <laughs> maybe that's it. I don't know if he needs uh needs any PR boost, but I mean certainly. Certainly, if he's your second best pitcher, you're in phenomenal shape. And if he might be your first best pitcher by the end of the year, I would honestly, I would, as good as Corbin Burns has been, it still would not shock me if Brandon Woodruff ends up being the guy who gets Cy Young votes at the end of the year because, you know, I, I just, I, there's just been a really good track record, and I mean, it's easy to forget Brandon Woodruff pitched like, you know. The the three best outings of the year last year were probably all pitched by Brandon Woodruff, including a game in St. Louis that last last series of the year that they had to have. He he worked shutout baseball. You know, that's the win that gets him in, ultimately gets him into the playoffs and take the playoffs for whatever they were. But uh, he was he was Johnny on the spot and did have a complete game last year, seven inning complete game. I mean, he's uh, he's been solid throughout. So. I, I love that guy. He is he is getting overlooked a little bit, but I don't think that's gonna stay that way. I think he's gonna get his due as the year goes on.
0: You mentioned the uh, incident with the Cubs. So maybe we can nominate the Cubs for Unsung Heroes for the Brewers, too. It have on, been helpful. On the, on the basis of the Brewers taking three series from them in April. So there you go. There's
1: yeah, I, I was do. a little surprised to see the Cardinals only a game out after after the weekend series with the Dodgers, you know, 16 and 12. So they are in the early going emerging as a not-too-shabby team that, uh, that the Brewers are going to have to battle with. Uh, right now, nobody else in the Central has that. Obviously, it's you know caveat, 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 and we don't know where that's really going to go. But yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs don't look like they they're going to be the problem this year. It looks like it's going to be the Cards and the Brewers right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely, uh, and we'll see the Cardinals a lot more often <laughs> than we did in April. So we'll see how how those head to head series play out too. Uh, next Patreon question comes from Adam Post. Kind of going back to the injury issues,
2: he's just asking, can any of you play catcher? No, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't want to. That sounds like a horrible job. I mean, have you seen how many balls bounce in crazy, horrible ways back into those guys? At least the umpire has the catcher blocking him from a lot of the, the contact. The catcher just has to eat it. It. I those guys, it every time I I see that, I think of the Jake Taylor scene from spring training where he's taking (laughs) off his shirt and he's just got bruises everywhere on his body. It's got it's just horrible. It's not something that anybody should do. (laughs) It's probably really bad for your health, too.
0: Yeah.
1: Anytime my nine year old wants me to to play a game on the carpet, I always really it really has to be worth it because for me to get down there and then to get (laughs) up again is is such an ordeal there's so much work that goes into that i don't i could not stand and throw somebody out i actually might pass out from blood pressure issues if i had to go from a crouch <laughs> and throw somebody out. the moral of the story is don't have children it's terrible for your back and you know yeah my catching days are long behind me they were they were never there to begin with but they are <laughs> definitely behind me now
0: backs in rough shape knees are probably in rough shape too i'm guessing so yeah not you're, you're catching we got to move you to first base jr really oh yeah you betcha that's it yeah Yeah, I I, I may be able to strike out Javi Baez, but I don't think I can play catcher because I'm left handed. So there you go. I'll say no on that one (laughs) Um, on the catching conversation. We've got a question from Anthony Martin. He's asking, does Nottingham stick around in platoon at first after Omar and Maddie come back with Hira possibly going down to triple A for a while? So I floated this idea on Twitter. Kind of like tongue in cheek after Nottingham's second home run today, but uh, a lot of people seem to like it. Jr., what do you think?
1: I think it's a really good question because just that, that catching depth. You saw what happened when they when they got rid of it. I mean, it's it's tough with Nottingham being out of options, but uh, it's it's at least plausible. You know, he's not going to be get a ton of at bats, especially if they don't. You know, if they face left handers at the same rate that they faced them in April, he's mm-hmm. not going to be the necessary part of that platoon. Uh, you know they they do. I mean, Travis Shaw can play first base. Billy McKinney can play first base. They they've got guys. Anybody can, not anybody, but they they've got guys. <laughs> it's extremely hard. It's extremely they've got, hard. They've got lots of guys who can play over there. So I don't think it's 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 just a matter of of how healthy I think. You know, Pina when he comes back with a broken toe, is he going to be just like approximating one hundred percent? And how long is Omar, Omar Narvaez out? I mean, this could be a while. Who knows? I mean, you probably you know probably only going to be a couple weeks, but who knows? So uh, I don't know if they have to answer this question yet, but I think it's a really good one. It's going to be a really tough issue facing the Brewers. They've been burned once. I don't know how comfortable they are with Feliciano as option number three. Uh, you know, he's certainly just brought up in an emergency capacity here over the weekend, but I, I, I guess that might be a question too. If, if it comes down to it, are you comfortable with Mario Feliciano as your, as your number two catcher? I don't know.
2: Well, I think that we'll probably see them, Delay bringing some of these guys back off the IL for a little while I think it it puts a lot less pressure on them having Nottingham there means you don't need to rush them back nearly as much as you otherwise might have so and this was the reason they picked up Luke Maley in the offseason was to give them some catching depth that could be optioned down to AAA and would allow them to to have that that extra guy in there so and I sort of whenever the Brewers pick up a catcher at this point I just assume that they they see something in him because they seem to really have the catching position figured out. So I I just sort of give them the the benefit of the doubt on that. I I it's mainly just I think they're going to take their time and let these guys heal up, which is good. We don't need Manny Peña to be hobbled and even slower than he already is because he definitely mm-hmm. has that catcher speed. So You'd rather get him back to full strength and let him be a, a key contributor to the second half when they're going to need probably help in all kinds of ways. So, the way that the season is going injury wise, you don't want to push anybody back before they're ready.
1: It yeah. remains one of life's great mysteries how Omar Narvaez went from what he was defensively in Seattle to being what he is in Milwaukee. Like, there hasn't right. been in,
0: there in one winter, be, right? In
1: one winter, even, yeah. A pandemic winter. like There has to be an explanation for what went down there. That's just baffling to me. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: (laughs) I mean, I think the explanation is Charlie Green. I mean, that guy is a wizard. He just does this over and over and over again. And so, yeah, I I think it's Charlie Green.
0: It's not like you can even blame the Mariners for his butcherism behind the plate, right? Cause he was bad with the White Sox too. So it's not like mm-hmm. it was just one organization's like malpractice there. I, I do think it's a case where uh, the brewers, like you said, Ryan know how to do this and they just find the attributes they want in a guy figure they can coach up the rest and there you have it. So I guess with that in mind, it, it catching injuries, maybe they're better handled <laughs> than some of the other ones. But um, yeah, I, I just have a hard time seeing where Nottingham fits in, and I we were talking about this all winter too. You know, really wanting to find a spot for him. Do they carry three catchers at some point? And just knowing, and, and now they do know if they have to DFA and waiver him, somebody's going to pick him up, right? So it, it didn't take very long. So obviously, there's a demand for him out there. So maybe it does make them think twice before uh, DFAing him and. We do have a Twitter question about that too. So, a reminder you can also send in your questions via Twitter. You can follow us at, at MKE Tailgate. You can also f- follow each of us individually. Ryan's at RD Top. JR is at JR Radcliffe. I'm at James L. Uh, we did get a question from Frank Newins. He's asking Do you think there's a scenario where Nottingham does well enough over the next couple of weeks that he sticks with the team? Or do you think, regardless of his performance, he's going to be DF8 again? So, Kind of the issue we've been talking about here, JR. It, can he play his way onto the roster and, and avoid another DFA?
1: I, I think so. I do think that's possible. I think it's unlikely if, uh, you know, if our first base scenario is off the table, I, There's, they're not going to carry three catchers. But, um, I think it's possible. Tyrone Taylor seems to have done it. You know, he's, he would have been a guy that I think is a guy that bounces back and forth, but you can't, you can't lose his bat right now. The guy's, the guy's doing great. He's great. So uh I, I do think if, you know, two, <laughs> two Nottingham home runs in one game is almost certainly an aberration. But if he comes up with some power, all of a sudden, I, I think that they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll be more careful. And and maybe they do stash him at first base. Maybe Keston here, it takes just a really long time to get up to speed. And then you're like, yeah, let's platoon first base with big Dan over there at, that that could work. That can honestly work for a while. Um, it, you know, at least for a couple months until PD Narvaez are completely 100%. Sure.
2: Yeah, I think Nottingham, the power that we're seeing today, you can trace <coughs> this back to last year where he did hit, uh, what was it? He had four home runs in 54 plate appearances in the major leagues last year and was rocking a pretty healthy, what was his ISO? It was like two, over 250. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Had a, he had a pretty healthy ISO. So He
1: doesn't get cheated either. He's got good swings.
2: No. Right. Yeah, he has tremendous power, and he has an idea of what he's doing at the plate. Last year, his walk rate was close to 10%. So he has a pretty decent idea of what he's doing at the plate and has that power. So I've long been on the uh, the let's try to keep him around and see what happens, just because yeah. he is still young in catcher years, basically. He's 25 this year. And you would probably think he was much older than that, considering how long he's been around. But no, he's still just 25 years old. And catchers often take longer to break out because there's so much that they're working on defensively to go with the offense. And we saw with Nottingham where he came into the Brewers organization as a, well, he probably can't catch. But man, that bat is really something to oh, he's definitely a catcher, but now we, we wonder if he's going to hit. And so you just wait for that to offensively, that reemergence to happen, hopefully. And I think that might be the thing. And remember, the, the bar at, offensively at catcher is not very high. You don't need to hit very well to be a a, a useful major league catcher. So he does seem to have some tools that, that go into why they gave up chris davis for him because remember he was the guy they traded for chris davis i think it was a straight up deal wasn't it mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. i thought there was a pitcher involved too i could was be there? wrong okay but uh yeah no i mean obviously he he was somebody they targeted back then as kind of the centerpiece of that deal he's a guy that i think a lot of people were excited to get because of that bat uh and and like you said you, whatever it is with the brewers they'll coach up the the defense mm-hmm. and and the bat seems to go for those catching pro, prospects but uh, you were right like we saw that power last year i know when we were doing our little roster breakdowns before the season started i really wanted to find a spot for him because i i love the dude i like his power i love the fact that he looks like a giant pro wrestler up there and he can mash home <laughs> runs with long hair i mean that that dude's a lot of fun and i like guys who are a lot of fun so I don't know. Maybe there's a scenario where they do keep all three around and then maybe Manny Pena is kind of phased out because I think, you know, Ryan, all three of us in the in the in spring training, were kind of thinking he might be the odd man out if they wanted to keep Nottingham around. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's where they end up going later this year. We'll see. But uh, I just really don't believe that they're going to risk losing him again, especially after they did lose him the first time and they were able to scramble and get him back. I, we'll see what happens. He's got a couple of weeks here to kind of make an impression. So
2: Yeah, I think maybe um, even more because he's definitely not going to get sent down before Mailey. Mailey will be the first one to go out when one of the right. other guys comes back. So right. both of them are going to have to be healthy before they would give up Nottingham. And that could take a, a little while, especially if they're extra cautious with Pina's broken toe or just making sure Omar is right and feeling good before he's put back out there.
0: Right, right, absolutely. Uh, So That's all of our questions for this week. Uh, Thanks to everybody who sent one in. A reminder that you get question priority when you become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. That question priority costs you just two bucks a month. If you bump up to the $5 level, you do get The extra podcasts as well and you also when you sign up to become a patron get a shout out here on the podcast (laughs) and it looks like we do have a new patron this week ryan who who do we have
2: so this was actually last week remember we had this whole discussion about this in the uh the chat jr doesn't know about this uh somebody signed up and used an address
0: oh uh, yeah (laughs) that's their name
2: (laughs) So we I, I do know who this is now uh, having looked into it on Patreon, but uh, we'll, we'll respect uh, the wishes of this person and just refer to them as uh, Mr. Pinecrest.
1: <laughs> oh I love it I love it when our forefathers are finding technology that's great. it's always great
0: <laughs> We will we will respect the privacy of mr crest will not give out the full address but uh thank you for signing up to become a patron and we will fulfill the duty to give you a shout out uh even if we have to do some identity concealing so
2: and hey i could pronounce that one so
0: that's true too yeah. yeah pronunciations are never guaranteed here on the podcast whether it's for patrons or when paul tries to pronounce players he's only read on the internet and don't know uh how to actually say their names uh it's a highlight of the football podcast too. The the and Ngakwe episode, Jr. is still one of my <laughs> favorite ones of all time. Uh, so there you go. Thank you, Mister Pinecrest, to become a patron. Uh, in the meantime, that'll r- wrap things up for this week. Do not forget to subscribe to our podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button, both for us and for the Reporting is Eligible uh, podcast now that there's plenty of drama in Packerland to talk about. And while you're there, please do leave us a review to help other people find us. Uh, We will be back next week. In the meantime, stay well, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Milwaukee's Tale.